Welcome back to another episode of Spreading the Word. I'm your host, Paul Basanti, and today we're continuing the theme, I Can't Believe. Last week we got into the roadblocks in our relationship with God, and now we're going to spend a little bit more time looking at what our lives tend to look like as Christians. It's not all butterflies and smiley faces and rainbows. There's deep trials that we go through in our life, be they response to our sinfulness or health crisis or something totally unrelated to to us. We happen to go through deep trials. And the question that can sometimes call to mind during our deepest trials or the statement can be, I can't believe this is happening. It seems that matters just get worse and worse and worse. And I want to instill some hope in our listeners today that things can get worse before they get better, but they do get better. So without any further ado, let's jump right into it. Good morning, church. So last week, we started a series that I called, I Can't Believe. And we said, I can't believe that God is more important. Some of the things we looked at were the roadblocks in our relationship with God. Are they distractions or are they more like their choices? Uh, maybe the things we put priority on reflect a choice that we're, we're exhibiting in our relationship with God. Um, the false idols that we have in our life. And we talked about what worship is. Um, As living sacrifices, we ought to be putting God first in our act of worship, or else we're just worshiping these things that we hold on to in the world. Money, uh, pride, success at work, social status, that sort of thing. And then we, we finished up by talking about how God is a jealous God. God is a God who is jealous for our attention and our affection uh, and, and wants to know that we are serving him. And I sort of finished up by asking the question, who are we serving? Are we serving these things that we idolize or are we serving the living God? And we're staying with the theme, I can't believe... So the title is, I can't believe this is happening to me. Now, uh, this may be an awkward segue, but uh, the the night that my lovely wife and I got engaged, I had planned weeks in advance. We had this... uh, this idea of of having dinner together and I thought I'd make it this nice romantic dinner. We'd go to this this new restaurant that we had never been to before. It was just new opening up in town. It was getting a lot of good reviews. Uh, I planned that maybe we'd go for a nice walk in the countryside afterwards and I'd bring a blanket with us and we'd sort of lay down in a field and do some stargazing and then I'd, you know, bust the the ring out of my pocket and, and pop the question. Well, uh, right before this all happened, my car broke down. Uh, so it, I took it to a shop and the bill came in and I couldn't afford the bill to repair it. Uh, so I tried to sell it and then it got broken into. So I got half of the asking price I was looking to. So I sold my car. I had to, I had to rent a new car. So I get this champagne gold Chevy Malibu and I'm sure there's a purpose for a champagne gold Chevy Malibu in many people's lives, but it uh, when it rolls up 
to pick up your hopefully soon to be fiance it's not the most uh impressive vehicle to to pick someone up in um then we go to this uh new restaurant and it was this new happening restaurant and we were excited to go there uh but the fact of the matter is they didn't take reservations on the Friday night and I had to actually just get into the lounge area. So we were in this lounge bar area that was loud and we could barely carry a conversation. The music was super loud. The conversations around us, everyone's sort of yelling at each other, uh, just just loud. It was a nice place, but it was it was loud and it wasn't romantic at all. Um, then we get through dinner and I sort of make it seem, you know, random that we're driving through a field and, oh, we should, we should take a walk in a, in a countryside. So we get out and there's motorcycles going by. There's like a pack of cows. Uh, I had, I had gone on Google earth at the time when it was new technology and I thought I was being so clever and found this amazing field to, uh, do some stargazing in. And uh turns out it was a cow field. It was all swampy and muddy, and it smelled of manure. And then the other thing I didn't think about is this was June 21st. This is literally the longest day of the year. So here we are at like 9 p.m., and the sun is still out shining. And I'm like totally beside myself at how all this planning and thinking that I had gone into it was for naught, and nothing went according to my plan, everything just kept getting worse. I could not believe that all this was happening to me. So I say that to bring up that sometimes as Christians, we can be stuck in a deep, deep trial. And, you know, we can get bogged down in all these trials that we face in our life and all the difficulties that we're facing, but there is a there is a holy and godly purpose to trials that happen in our life. And many times in the past we've we've talked about trials in our life and how we can be joyful in them and how we can we can take faith in God through trials and that the product and uh, the the process of, of going through a trial can can deepen our faith and reveal the depth of our faith. Our and the the deeper the trial is, the deeper it reveals our faith in God. I I, I want you to think about relationships in your life. Think about your coworkers. Think about your friends. Think about your spouse or your family members. Think about these relationships. We're going to spend some time in the book of Romans and some good context to know is that Paul is writing this book to a group of Christians that he only knows a few of. He's never been to Rome. He's never met the church in Rome, but he knows some reports of these people. And so he's writing this letter to a a group of people gathering together as a church and who are of unknown faithfulness to him. So he's spreading the whole gamut here. And I want to pick up in chapter 4, verse 18, where Paul says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. 
without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Abraham's response in the middle of trial uh, was demonstrating his faithfulness that God was going to bring him through it. Even though he was just as good as dead, it says. Even though his his likelihood of having offspring and having a, a, a lineage and have his name live on, he still had faith. He was an old man. He and Sarah had not conceived a child. In spite of all this, He walked in faith. You see, Abraham was promised descendants when he was about 75. Isaac wouldn't be born until he was 100. Similarly, Joseph dreamt that he would be a a great ruler, but he was sold into slavery. Uh, He was imprisoned and faced false charges. Uh, He was imprisoned for three years. God's promise to Abraham that his descendants would be a great nation, that didn't happen for 400 years after the fact. Uh, another example, look at, look at Moses. God promised Moses that he would deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh. And there were 10 terrible plagues. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. Moses never actually stepped foot in the promised land. And the last example I want to draw your attention to is Jesus himself. He, he suffered and died on the cross. It got so bad that darkness fell over the entire earth. The Son of God had just been killed. This is the bleakest situation imaginable. Think about all these things. Things will get worse before they get better. In the trial you're facing, it's very likely that things will get worse before they get better. I can speak to my experience in this. You start going through a trial and it gets worse and worse and worse before it gets better. With Abraham, with Joseph, with with Moses and, and with Jesus, it all got worse and worse and worse before God's glory was revealed and things got better. We'll pick it back up in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have just been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace and in which we now stand. And we rejoice, not in, the ho- we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Things will tend to get worse in your trial. When you utter the phrase, I can't believe this is happening to me, that's because things are getting worse for you. This world is a broken, sinful and destroyed world. It's not as God had intended it. It is not the Garden of Eden. Our sin has separated us from God, and that condition that we find ourselves in is broken, and that results in deep, painful, difficult trials. But God's promise to us is still there. God's faithfulness is still there. God will bring us through these trials. That is his promise to us. Not only will he bring us through them, not only will God be present in our trials, but God will bring us through them and produce greater holiness in us through them. The point of trials is not just to get through the trial, but the point of trial is to become holier because of the trial. What's the point of all this? What does this all mean? Why does it seem so often like God's plan for us is to allow things to get even worse before they get better? Later on in Romans, Paul reveals some of God's plan here. In chapter 8, starting in verse 18, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirits, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. 
What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is, in Christ Jesus our Lord. (laughs) Recall my story about the engagement. How it kept getting worse how layer after layer things just started compiling, just this laundry list of things that went wrong. It made it all the more impressive that she actually said yes. Just like the amazing fact that she agreed to marry me, despite my lack of ability to make a romantic evening, just like that, God's triumphs are made all the more glorious and amazing through deep trials. Think about those examples we went through. Think about how impressive it was that Abraham had a son at 100 years old that became this great lineage. Think about how impressive uh, God's glory was when Israel became a great nation 400 years later. Think about how impressive and glorious God was made in delivering the Israelites from Pharaoh. At At the absolute depth of what seemed like an impossible struggle, God was victorious. And think about Jesus at the cross, when it was at its bleakest, when it seemed like death and sin and Satan had won, God was most victorious. Our faith is proved more true in deep trials. Our reliance on him is stronger in deep trials. Our victory in Jesus is all the greater because of the trials that the Lord brings us through. So how do we apply this to our lives today? I want you to identify the trial that you're going through and own it. it is, your, is it something that's your own doing or does it seem brought on from something else? If it is your own doing, consider that God is trying to teach you and discipline you to not engage in sinful behavior. If it's not something that you've necessarily brought on yourself but just seems to have happened in your life, if it's unrelated, don't slough it all off as a coincidence But this is an opportunity for you to demonstrate here and now that you are faithful to God. Allow God to bring you through this. And don't lose hope if things get worse. Because God's victory will be made all the more greater. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
there you have it. There is reason to be hopeful. Don't ever feel like the trial you're going through is absent of God. God is with you. If you are if you are a Christian and you're hearing this, have that hope that God has not abandoned you, that he is with you in this deep trial and that he will bring it through you. And don't think that the only purpose of this is just to get through it, but there's a discipline, a holiness that God is trying to bring about through you. This is a hard and difficult thing to wrap your mind about, but if if you dedicate yourself to prayer and a relationship with God, he will reveal to you the, the ways in which he's trying to help you grow. If you don't know Christ and if you don't know the hope that exists in a relationship with God, then I really encourage you to reach out to someone, reach out to a church, reach out to us, find someone who can help you through this. You don't have to be alone in your trial. You don't have to weather the storm on your own. Please reach out to someone. I thank you listeners for joining me this week, and I pray that you can be blessed in whatever situation you find yourself in, in smooth sailing or in stormy seas. I pray that the Lord will bless you and help you grow. And if this work here that I'm doing as a, as a ministry is encouraging to you, then, then that is an answer to prayers. So I just pray that somehow, some way, this can be an encouragement to you. And if it is, please share it with others who might need to hear it. And I just, I pray that, that God's glory can be made evident through our lives as a beacon of hope for those who don't know God yet. Thanks again for joining me, everyone. Take care.